go deeper if an expert gives a comment that I think is pretty duh, you know, pretty pretty pedestrian, then I'll try to dig a little deeper there. Uh, they can also be a con if the interviewer, excuse me, the interviewee goes off on tangents or grandstands or is, has a lot of ego involved and wants to talk about themselves and tell stories that don't really relate to the topic. And so that's why it's important to be a strong moderator in the interview format because you've got to bring people back on target and also keep it on time. Um, so those are the pros and cons of the interview. And like I said, in many ways are the easiest. When I invite someone to be an expert, and they may be a little timid about doing it because they have the ex- the expectation that it will be one way for an hour. And so I quell that by saying, imagine it's a, a radio interview. And just as when most of us are interviewed on the radio, we give the host ten questions that we want to be asked. So we'll decide those questions now, and those will end up as bullet points in the description. And so we're just going to walk you through the things that we think that the listeners want to hear the most. Okay. Now, most of the interview teleseminars probably that you've done are with SpeakerNet News and talking to people in the speaking industry. Yes. Have you ever interviewed someone in an in an industry that you weren't the expert in, but you were you were bringing in an expert, say the real estate industry or the healthcare industry, where you were doing that as part of a follow up for a client? Let's see. Two two answers to that. Yes, I've interviewed um, I interviewed the best selling author Jim Cousins for an ASTD seminar teleseminar that I was doing. But I knew enough about his topic to be cogent. I also interviewed a colleague who wanted to develop a product, and she was just petrified of of going into the studio. So I interviewed her on her topic, which I was pretty unfamiliar with. And that went less well because she really hadn't done her homework ahead of time and didn't have it planned out what we would cover, hadn't briefed me sufficiently so I find if you are going to interview people outside your area of expertise, it does take more prep work. Okay, and I think we can come back to the prep work issue a little bit later. But okay. Let's go on to the second type of teleseminar, which you call a lecture seminar. Okay. And this is the one I hear most commonly from our colleagues. When people want to do teleseminars for us, they send us CDs, and often they are just data dumps. So they get in front of a, of a, you know, they get on a telephone, and my attitude is, why bother? Just send them the CD. <laughs> you know, if there's not going to be really much interaction, then just give them the, the recording of it. So the pro, and, and some of my, my, our colleagues have had great success with this format, so I don't mean to say that it doesn't work. It just is not as effective in my perspective as the ones that are more interactive. So the pro of it is if you're selling your teleseminar to be given to a group. So, example, you're selling, let's say you have clients that are a chain of bookstores or a chain of something, then you sell them so that each site buys a seat, if you will, and then they sit around a conference table with a speakerphone, and they're all listening at once. And some of our colleagues then offer some sort of discussion guide for that client's managers to then lead a discussion after the 
colleague has delivered the information. So this is a way to deliver material to a client without being on site with the client. That's right. That's right. And uh, some of our colleagues do that industry-wide, so not just a specific client but across an industry. And the industry likes it or the whoever is buying it likes it because you can put 10 people in a room and if you're charging $150 for the hour, hour and a half, then they say, oh, $15, you know, times times 10 people, 150 bucks, that's a good deal for education. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's just one person, then that seems kind of a, kind of steep for most people. So they can cram a lot of people in that conference room, which they like. Okay, so this is a way to get a, information out to a number of people. The third type is one you call participative and or like a workshop. So mm-hmm. how do those work? Well, and I do these monthly. I have a... Um, subscription service I sell for corporate clients and they come on together in a half hour conference call meeting once a month and so they're very interactive. I um, do maybe two minutes, three minutes of a, of a lecturette and then there's a question. I give them 30 seconds to write the response and then because I know who has come in the room, then I call on them individually. So if we were doing that, then I would give, I would pose the question which you would all have in front of you, and then I would call on, okay, Eileen, give us your answer to that, or Sister Patricia, give us your, and I would call them by name. And the pro of that is they're very involved. It's it's so easy on teleseminars to do other things, to file and get your email and do other things. Well, in a participatory teleseminar, you cannot do that. You have to be really present because you never know when you're going to be called on. In a larger group, maybe larger than even seven or eight, you can't call on everybody every time. So then I just randomly pick a few names, two or three at a time, and I tell them that in advance. But they never know who's going to be called on. So, again, they have to stay stay real focused and attentive, and it just helps the retention more. Okay. Now, a few weeks ago, Robert Middleton talked about virtual action groups that yes. he conducts, which are, in a sense, participative teleseminars. Yeah. And I think in those people bring their issues. They may have a topic, but they also bring their issues to the seminar versus having the leader deciding what the topic is and conducting things around that. Have you done that kind of seminar as well, where people bring their own issues? Um, I have. For a bank client of mine, I've led teleseminars, and part of that session has been open forum. So they know the topic, they know what we plan to cover, but then I give them time to answer what is on their mind, or to ask what's on their mind related to that topic. Okay. All right, so if people have questions about the different types and how to conduct those, we'll come back to that. You talk here, one of the points that you make in the list of benefits for this session is the hidden benefits of doing teleseminars. I think most people understand that one of the benefits is you can sit at home in your pajamas and do a teleseminar, but uh, what are some of the hidden benefits that aren't as obvious? Well, my favorite is sitting home in my cutoffs or my flip-flops or even my jammies on cold days and, and making money by conducting these. But the thing that most people miss, I think, is that even if you only have a handful of people on a teleseminar, I mean, I've only had one or two people sometimes, 
But it's not necessarily the amount of income you're making from that that live event. You need to look at it as this is a really easy way to build product. So in an hour with minor editing maybe, I have a product that I can sell from my website, I can sell as a download, I can sell as a transcript, I can sell back of the room, and very, like the the live one-on-one or live in-person presentations I have done and taped and tried to create product out of, it's never the same. I have to do such heavy editing because so much of it you had to be in the room. Whereas a teleseminar, someone can listen in the car and get just as much value as being on it live. So I think that's really the piece that people are missing. And then the, the an adjunct to that piece is to be able to sell a series or to sell a subscription as we do. We sell the CD subscription so people can buy these on a reduced price basis and they get every one we make ongoing until they tell us to stop. And that's a great benefit to the recipient, but it's also a great benefit to you, the producer, because you have a certain income every time you're doing a teleseminar. So those are hidden benefits that I think most people, most people just look at the income or the benefit of the live event, and they don't really realize the back back end is really probably where you're going to make your most money. Okay, and when you're speaking of these, you're talking about a particular type of teleseminar because these those aren't things that you would typically do with a, a client seminar or with a an ongoing weekly group kind of a teleseminar. That's you true. You wouldn't be recording those. For or, and probably true for the participatory, too. The participative ones, those probably wouldn't make as good of um, product unless you did some heavy editing. Okay, so...